Welcome to Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. If you're like me and you've ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here? Whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your career or life in general, then you are in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, or somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest is the Chief Sustainability Officer at Vermouth, a premium sustainable beauty company with a mission of creating a line of fully composable, compostable beauty products made from natural ingredients that do not cost the earth anything and packaged up using zero plastic. She doesn't believe in perfection and is a language fanatic, a very good combination uh, being someone who's trying to learn Spanish right now. Um, her vast experience has shown her that the most exciting and world-changing ideas are born from a chaotic soup made up of clashing opinions, crazy notions, and stubborn dreams. There isn't a messy situation she can't handle by looking for patterns, making connections, and eventually tugging at the end of a thread that will weave all the best bits together into one glorious opportunity. Positivity doesn't begin to describe her demeanor. She firmly believes as humans, we have the power to create the future that we want. Not one to stand by and see what happens. She actively seeks out people to partner with who are willing to challenge the status quo and who are committed to making a positive, as committed to making a positive impact as she is. Motivated to make more sustainable uh, outcomes possible by challenging conventional wisdom and long-held beliefs, she's applying her more than 30 years of strategic communication experience to making more sustainable outcomes possible. Fun fact, her, her secret superpower is parallel parking, which will no doubt come in handy in her upcoming move to Paris. Welcome, Jill Jago. Thank you, Kathy. Um, I don't remember writing any of that, but uh, let's, uh, let's go with it. <laughs> well, that is, uh, as, I, as some guests are surprised, I do a fair bit of research before um, uh, doing my intro. So that comes from a medley of things I found online. So if anything is incorrect, please feel free to correct me now. Your parallel parking is still top notch after living in Seattle for so long. <laughs> My parallel parking is excellent, but uh, the future, the futurist part of me uh, feels that I need to point out that I very much hope that skill will be obsolete very, very soon. <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, all right. So, I mean, that was really the highlights. Tell our audience a little bit more about you. So I am originally from England. I'm from Newcastle in the north of England, and I... I studied languages at universities have always been my passion and I, I suppose the thing about me is I've never had a clear idea or passion or vision of what it was I wanted to do or where I wanted to go I just always wanted to go somewhere and so I think I've sort of followed the opportunities I've had in my life by just not saying no. <laughs> and um, and I, I fell into a career in marketing. I, I didn't even really know that marketing was a career when I left university. I really hadn't thought about what I was going to do with my, with my uh, languages. And I think I've got my mum to thank for that because I, there was a lot of pressure to be a lawyer, be a doctor, have a path, know where you're going, do something that's going to, you know, earn you lots of money. And and my mum said, look, there's no point studying anything you're not passionate about. So do what you love because you've been doing it for a long time. And so I studied French <laughs> and it hasn't held me back. Um, so I, I, I began working at a water company that actually the the uk water companies are all in the news right now because of the privatization and the fact that they've 
doing horrible things and not taking care of the water and being uh, and just giving all the money to the shareholders. Well, I was kind of uh, part of Part of that, I was hired by Northumbrian Water right as they were privatised and I got the opportunity to work with a whole bunch of different environmental consultancies because they they bought a lot of different companies when they privatised. Unfortunately, that we, we sort of stayed in the realm. I think some of them bought hotels and stuff. Um, and so that was, that was my first introduction to environmental engineering sciences thinking about earth systems and uh from a marketing perspective so um that probably set me on a path to where i am now which is event you know i i went into architecture from there because one of the companies they had was a design firm i loved that aspect of it and when we moved to the states again didn't plan on moving to the States. Husband had an opportunity, wasn't excited about moving to the States, didn't want to say no. In fact, I remember saying to him, because I was so upset about going, and he said, look, we don't have to go. And I said, I think the only thing worse than than saying no and not going is staying here and wondering what if. (laughs) So we went, and that was 28 years ago. Um, Yeah, and, and I ended up working with uh, environment uh, well Arup actually which is a big global big global engineering company for their chief sustainability officer and that was a new role for Arup but he ended up here he he was from here and that was they opened an office here and I ended up working with him and that was when I really learned a ton about um, resilience and climate change and just the importance actually of communication when it comes to sustainability challenges and sustainability is not a technical problem we have all the skills we need to solve our challenges it is a a sort of small p political problem and a communications issue we just don't have the will or the 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 sort of courage to change i would say it's 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 courage like we just continue to cling to what we know um, and and look for proof points in what has worked in the past, and we can't move. We can't move forward um, from there. So that's my. That's how I got into sustainability. You know, to make that connection. So I love the organic nature by which you came into this. So um, your mom had great advice, and you know what? Before I get ahead of myself, because I do want to dig into this more, I always ask my my uh, my guests, four core questions. So if you're ready to jump into those, we'll do that. And then I definitely want to come back to this. Yeah, let's do it. small P problem. <laughs> <laughs> that is in the letter P, not, you know, the other P. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you kind of alluded to this, but um, not really having a path. But what was the first career you remember wanting to do when you grew up? Did you, you know, as a as a young girl, did you have a dream of you know being prime minister or going to the moon or I'm not sure I ever actually had a dream like I said I wasn't like I am when I grow up I'm going to be this but what I really remember wanting to do there were two things one was I wanted to I wanted to work for the the BBC and I wanted to be uh, like um, doing all the research for the documentaries and 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 sort of doing doing being in television, I didn't really understand what the opportunities were or what that meant, but television seemed like a good thing to do. And then the other thing I really wanted to do, and I still, I, I, I still wish that I 
knew about this as a career when I was younger. I wanted to work for GCHQ and get all the intel for the spies. <laughs> I love that. Have you watched, um, oh, there, it was on Netflix. Uh, the Informant, the, it had uh, Karen oh. Knightley. Oh, yes, I know the one you mean. I did watch it. Anything like that, ob- obsessed, just just binge watch. It's never no, too late. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. to be a spy, you've got to sort of meld it into the environment. So, you know. It's true. You, you maybe, I'm, maybe I'm a sleeper. <laughs> just haven't been activated yet. <laughs> maybe you already are. That's right. So who was the big influencer in your life? You mentioned your mom. Um, wondering if it was her or maybe somebody else. Uh, there was a woman who I sadly have lost touch with. She was um, my boss when I was working at uh, NBBJ, which is was my first job when I moved to the States. It's a big global, it's a global architecture company now. It was much smaller then. She was only around for a very few months. And, and actually, she lived in LA and used to come up to Seattle. And she just had, maybe because she was working remotely she had such faith in me she just trusted me and she gave me so many opportunities and she gave me the piece of advice that I now always pass on to anyone I work with particularly any anyone starting uh in in, early in their career and she said look whatever happens make a decision and stick to it and if it's the wrong decision we'll sort it out but I am going to be really cross with you if you don't make a decision at all because that leads to unintended consequences and those are much harder to sort out and I think at that point I learned that indecision is a decision in and of itself and it is a bad decision and actually that is why we're in such a mess with our response to climate change right now in a nutshell (laughs) And her name, just in case she is listening, her name was Jerry Vaughan. Um, and I, like I say, I haven't been able to find her again, but uh, I would love her to know that that was a really important piece of advice she gave me and that I continue to pass the gift on. Excellent. That's wonderful. Um, it's so, you know, to have that kind of influence um, early on, someone who really, who said something that really resonated early on that you can hold on to and carry it forward. Um, it's very grounding and it's, it, it, it gives us a center to come back to when there's change, yes. and, you know, we're not sure what to do. And, and that's, that's amazing advice. I, I say it to my, my kids, my clients all the time. It's like, mm. make a decision. If, if it's the wrong decision, that's okay. We'll figure it out. Yeah, but exactly. Just make a decision, whether it's about what to have for dinner, whether it's whether to buy something, whether it's a career grad school, just make a decision. <laughs> Yes, totally agree. (laughs) So is there a song that epitomizes your career path or maybe something that's really resonating with you right now? Do you know, this is always such a hard question for me because I have the most eclectic musical taste and it's really whatever's stuck in my head at the time. And the one that is stuck in my head right now is uh, Are We Human by The Killers. (laughs) And I think that's actually really quite a good way to roll because there's just this question of what does it mean to be human? What is our responsibility? And I love, you know, it's are we human or are we dancer? And it just, for me, I don't really know what the lyrics actually mean. I don't think I know what all the lyrics are, but that line 
always used to be a source of, of great amusement with me and my kids too. But for me, it just reminds us that we just don't spend enough time enjoying ourselves and focusing on what makes us happy. And honestly, when we're happy, we just contribute more to the world. Great song. Love that song. Um, and you're right. You know what? Doing what makes us happy brings betterment to the world. Like it's, it's, it's always like that. Right. So, yeah. Um, and I think we lose sight of that sometimes. Yes. Yeah. I think it's very easy to lose sight of that. Indeed. So three words that you would use to describe yourself and, or your career. Passionate, probably quite annoying (laughs) (laughs) and loyal. (laughs) So passionate and loyal be self-explanatory talk to me a little bit about the annoying part (laughs) well I so and again this is this is I think I'll tell you a little anecdote because it sums it up one of the partners again at NBBJ and this is quite early in my career um and when I left NBBJ I, I left when I had my my first child and uh he they had a little get together for me and I was chatting with him and he said you know, Jill, we're really going to miss you. I just think of all the partners meetings and how often we talk and, and, and you, you so often come up, um, usually because you're being an absolute pain in the ass, but we're going to miss you. (laughs) And I think, and, and so it's really because when I, when I believe in something, it's connected to the passion. When I believe in something, I don't let it go and I don't back down easily. And um, I just keep badgering people until I feel like my point of view has been heard. Um, and and it's annoying. <laughs> but usually, usually, I, I'm selective about it. I don't do that all the time. It's, this is why I say it's connected to the passion. It has to be something I really, really, truly believe is important and needs to be heard. Uh, and it doesn't have to be my way or the highway either at all. In fact, I, I firmly believe that the best ideas come from, and I think you mentioned that in, in, in the introduction, the best ideas come when through conflict of some kind and from a clash of some kind and, and from a difference of opinions, because everybody's opinion is valid from their perspective. So the skill is finding out why they are so stuck to that idea, why they believe it so firmly and unpicking it. And when you do that, and you understand everybody's point of view, great solutions become possible because people move away from their entrenched position and start moving towards the center. So it's not a comfortable process though. (laughs) Absolutely not. And you know, there's, there's a saying that um, uh, a colleague used to say to me all the time is, you know, just be smart on the the hills you choose to die on. Because when you're passionate about something, you can sometimes lose sight of what you really should let go, whether because it's just not going to happen and you're only damaging your position or it's not the right time or they're not the right person, whatever the situation is. So yeah, I, I, I I agree. We have to be, we need to maintain our passion, but it's also really important to put gates around it at the appropriate time so that it's just not this ever flowing gush of, you know, it, me, 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 me. <laughs> it, 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 it is, it is. And you, you lose your credibility when you 
choose to die on every hill. Um, and, and, and you, you know, so yes, I think, and that's probably something that I've certainly learned over time. It, it, I'm not sure that I let go of everything in a smart way in the early days, but now I'm better at it. So was there a particular, um, you know, decision, a defining moment, action, something that really significantly impacted the trajectory of your career that really anchored you into what you do today? Yes, I think it was getting out of corporate America per se. So after I, when I left MBBJ and I, and I had my first child, I went, actually I, I did, I went to an engineering firm, but I went part-time and then I left them when I had my second child and I I didn't want to stop working but I just I knew I couldn't balance the full-time you know corporate America job especially in the U.S. with two weeks vacation a year and all the you know attendant uh, challenges that go with that and another good friend of mine who was an independent consultant um I, I was thinking about going independent and, and, and she was so supportive and she really sort of pushed me over the edge and, and, and convinced me that I could do it. And so I just set out my shingle as an independent consultant and I really never looked back from that point on. I, I, I usually just had one or two clients in the industry that I, that, you know, that I know. So in, in the field of architecture, engineering and construction and uh, urban environment. And it gave me so much flexibility. And I, what I, what I learned was I was always getting job offers. Like the companies that I worked for invariably wanted to hire me. And I remember saying, you know, the day you hire me is the day you stop listening to me. And I'm not going to do that. And I realized that value of that, there's a, a different value placed on expertise that you're paying for from the outside than the expertise you have within your own company, which is so wrong. But it just, it's just the way our system has evolved. So yeah, that was a defining moment because I was untethered from that point. Now, acknowledging, again, being in the US, I was very fortunate because my husband is in corporate America, so I didn't have to worry about healthcare. Yes, which is massive. That is, yeah. you know, yeah. you, and listen, I'm Canadian, so, mm. you know, socialized healthcare. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, it, you know, as as we get closer to that age where we're starting to think about maybe either scaling back or some people retiring, I, I, it, retirement hasn't even entered my head yet. Um, <laughs> but we, as, as many Europeans do as well, have the privilege of making that decision yes. when it's right for us, not based yeah. because what we can afford and the risk of getting sick. It's, yes. I mean, that's a whole other that many people well way 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 more informed than I am about it uh, talk about but it's it's just so scary um, it, it is and it has to be stifling productivity and creativity in the oh, US I'm, I can't cite anything because I, I haven't I don't have the statistics in front of me but I know that I have read studies about that that you know the fact that people have to be part of something just in order to make sure that they have their medical bills covered means that you can't I mean ironically you can't pursue your dream <laughs> so uh yeah 
Yeah. Okay. That's another yeah. for another, <laughs> another podcast. Um, yes. So, so tell me a little bit about your current role. What's it like? I'm sure, you know, in the, in the 30 plus years of your career, you've seen an evolution, you've seen the challenges and compromises you've had to make change your kids. I'm suspecting like mine are grown. Um, you're looking at different things now. You mentioned again, congratulations, moving to Paris. I am so jealous. I've always wanted to live there. Very Um, exciting. But what, what makes you get up in the morning? What are some of the challenges again, some of the compromises you find yourself making today versus maybe even, you know, five or 10 years ago? Well, again, I mean, what I'm doing today is something I never would have believed I would ever get into. As we've established, I've been in, you know, service industry all my life in marketing, communication, sustainability. I am now the co-founder of Vermouth, this, you know, compostable uh, lipstick company. And it was, this, this epitomizes not saying no and seeing where it takes you. I was, I'd been introduced to a woman and it was at our introductory meeting, uh, and and we were we were having cocktails in in a bar near near our in our neighborhood, and she was oh, see, nothing she was good ever from, comes out of cocktails at r- a local bar, <laughs> right, right. And she was uh, she, she was working for a small for a small makeup company at the time, and they were they were looking at doing some needing some branding work and so I'd been put in touch so that we could chat about that potentially I could do some work with her and then we just started really unpacking like we're both lipstick wearers we both absolutely love lipstick and so we were talking about how it's a very emotional product I don't know if you're a big lipstick wearer but there's something about lipstick as opposed to the rest of your makeup that is just it's a very emotional product um it changes the way you feel the minute you put it on. And uh, we were talking about that and then we were remembering all of these wonderful, um, you know, memories of our grandmothers putting it on. And then we were talking about just its inherent problems, especially, you know, and, and I'm, I'm in, my, in my late 50s now and that experience of buying makeup has become so challenging. You don't want to go into all of the the sort of, you know, Sephora's of the world that are targeted at young the, the, the young women and it, it's a horrible experience and and then the, just from a sustainability point of view the plastic is not recyclable and we're, we, we're just sort of saying oh you know we just it could be so much better it's such a wonderful product like what happened to it why why is it this way and um she said, I'm not going to share any of these ideas with the company I'm working for. We should talk about this more. And how hard can it be to get plastic out of the, out of the industry, out of, out of lipstick? And Vermouth was really born at that point when we just decided we're going to get plastic out of lipstick. It can't be that hard. <laughs> Turns out it's really hard because <laughs> everything has plastic in it. Everything, yep. um, including the formula. Um, and so, you know, it just became this, we just became obsessed with it, with obsessed with solving the problem. Uh, and, and then we just got swept along on the journey and started talking to people and, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a wild ride. It's, it's, it's really incredible. And it's what, what's fueling me is that I've spent my whole career talking about trying to make, 
more sustainable outcomes possible and coming up against this barrier that I mentioned earlier where people say, yeah, 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 but we can't do it that way because we know it works if we do it, that doesn't work. You know, technically it works, but the outcome's not the desirable outcome. Uh, and so we got to say, no, we're not going to do it that way. And um, it's amazing how many people have just wanted to be part of solving that problem with us because... There's, there's no wrong answers and everybody's just thrilled to have the opportunity to get creative and start solving the problem with us. So it's been amazing. The journey itself, again, doing some digging into it and, and what you've come up with is is fantastic. And Thank I, you. You know, I, I love the success that you are experiencing and the growth that you're seeing and, and really showing for for all of those who say, oh, we couldn't possibly you know, going back to your sustainability, we have the technology, we have the science, we know mm -hmm. how to do it. And um, it's interesting, you know, that I'm having this conversation with you today because I was just having a conversation. We just went through a, a by-election for a, a local mayor, well, city of Toronto, so Ooh. not small, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. fourth largest city <laughs> in North America. And it's so frustrating because, you know, one of the things I said was, you know, all I, I, what I would love for it to happen, and I think Canada is one place it could happen, I think England is another one, where somebody would come to the table with the view of, you know what, I'm only going to do one term mm -hmm. because that's all I'm going to last. Nobody's mm -hmm. going to let me stay more than one term, but mm -hmm. I'm going to get in and I'm going to make all of the really hard decisions and I'm yes. going to push things forward and you know what, toss my ass out after four yep. years, that's fine. But I will have started a ball rolling on so many fronts, particularly the environment, that yeah. you can't push it back up the hill. Yes, yes. That it's only yes. going to momentum, right? All of these decisions that aren't being made because people are afraid of, oh, well, my constituents aren't going to like this. Or then I'm, you know, I'm going to lose yep. this funding or something. You know what? Yeah. When we don't have a world left, what's exactly. it going Exactly. No, it's an act of it, it. I mean, that's an act of courage. And we need we need more of that in our in our, uh, you know, political landscape, because unfortunately, that because of the way we live in societies, that is what it's going to take to um, to change things. You we're going to again, I see it all the time in the US, we have to be forced to comply. And then the next trick is, okay, how do we find a way around the regulation? You know, I mean, it's just a game. And the energy that is spent on that game is so misplaced, because if that energy were being put into just solving the problem in the first place, we'd be in a very different place. Um, and, you know, I think that's what that's what we're that's what we're finding is 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 what we came up with is not at all what we envisioned starting with but no. it's been this this result of and actually speaking of technology so meg meg diaz my my co-founder she's she's just a brilliant fascinating woman she has all of the analytical skills of, of, a, of a sort of project manager uh and and project and and, and and yet she's an artist and incredibly creative and her work with color is just just beautiful to behold and and she she was apprenticed to a fresco painter in in Florence in her early days oh and so actually the inspiration for the design of vermouth came from her just needing to make 
a handle or something in order to allow us to sample the, the, the lipstick that she was producing. And she was inspired by medieval Renaissance silver point art tools, which is this handle that's very designed to very precisely apply paint, which was extremely precious and expensive at the time. And so she created those. And you've see, you, if you've seen yeah. uh, our product, it's, it's a flight, we call it a flight of, of five lip crayons in this beautiful sort of carton that resembles a, a crayon, crayon box, really kind of Again, for women our age, it resembles a cigarette box. So you've got this sort of like, it yes. feels a little naughty, but it's good for you. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, uh, and, and so, her, you know, she was the driving force behind the design for that. And um, yeah, we, we just, you know, we, we, that was obviously not what we invented, or what we envisioned when we started out, because the basic design of lipstick hasn't changed for a hundred years. You think of a tube that, twists up it's a beautiful product thank uh, you it's just absolutely fantastic are you are you branching out are we are can we look forward to other we're we're sticking with lipstick for now we feel like we've still got a lot of uh, a lot of uh room room for, to to grow there um we're we're going to be currently our lipsticks are in a five pack and we're realizing that actually three is about the sweet spot. That's what a lot of our, our women are looking for. So we're looking to launch a three pack. The other thing that we just launched, uh, one of the things that our, our, our customers wanted was just a single tube that they could use to carry one lipstick and pop it in their pocket. Because, you know, again, nobody carries a handbag anymore. Nobody carries a purse. You, you want to leave the, the house with your phone and your lips so this little tube is super slim you could just pop it in your pocket um so so yeah and we're still experimenting with colors and and because currently we have a mix of colors because they're designed to blend and customize but there is definitely a desire among our customers to have flights in their colorways so a flight of plums a flight of bricks whatever so everything is based around customer feedback we've just we we just you know voraciously listen to customer feedback and um, try to respond. So, Brilliant. so that's kind of that. Our customers are taking us on the next part of our journey. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's maybe you know, from a from a product extension, is um, you know how you have the phone cases now that you can wear yes. as like a little cross bag, or yes. even the ones that have your your credit cards in them. Right? Is yes. Just having a little right in that crook. A little tube. <laughs> a, a little place for perfect, right? I love it. Yes. You heard it you here first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Stand by. You can call it the journeyman or something. Oh, um, love it. <laughs> so if you weren't doing what you did today, and just let me say, uh, as a woman in my 50s, I am so thankful that you are doing what you're doing. The way Thank you. you. Do it. You know, and the plan and the thought that's gone into it. It's just, it is amazing. I, my daughter loves Sephora. She's 22. It, I get absolutely apoplectic going into that store. So, right. <laughs> you understand. <laughs> I totally understand. And I love the fact that that was part of the consideration. Um, so, uh, yes, I can't wait to try the product. Um, but if you weren't doing what you did today, if you had an alter ego where things like healthcare and money weren't part of the consideration, what would you be doing? Oh, I would be living on a Spanish mountaintop writing historical fiction. That's that's an easy one. That's always been my dream. Yes. Yeah. 
So um, I really hope at some point I will have the time to write. And um, yeah, and I, I just, you know, I'm very excited about moving to Paris, but um, I'm not a city girl. I would just love to be out. Nature is what fuels me, being out in the mountains, preferably near the coast, which is where Spain is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, I used to live in northern Spain and, and that was, you know, that was sort of, it, it is one of my favorite places on earth. So, um, yeah, I would, I, I would love to just have the time to write. Lovely. Oh, that sounds absolutely <laughs> wonderful. So for our listeners, you already gave us so much great advice and, and things to think about, but is there one piece of advice, particularly for the women in our audience, that you'd like to share on whether it's life, career, success, happiness? Yes, I think if anybody says to you, you can have it all, be very, very wary <laughs> of what you're getting yourself into. I think there is so much pressure to be the career woman, to raise the kids, to be the perfect, you know, uh, mother, lover, partner, carer, all of those things. And it's, that way madness lies. You can't balance all of that. You have to decide what's most important to you and what fuels you. And it's back to, you know, what we said earlier. If if you find what makes you happy, you're going to be a much better contributor to society, to your family, to your friends, to to everyone. Um so so yeah, I I don't believe in doing it all, having it all. I believe in choosing what's important and I think we put ourselves under far too much pressure to comply to a completely unrealistic expectation. And it's an act of courage to say, no, that's not what works for me. But once you figure it out, you'll be so much happier. So it goes back to that making a decision, right? It's, yes. It's, it's making the choice. And it can be, I think, I think the generation coming up maybe not directly, but certainly two behind us, um, is better at that. I, you know, yes. the, the pendulum swings extremes one way or the other. Um, you know, whereas we felt, I'll speak for myself, I felt like I had to do it all. I had to be the best mom, the best wife, the best yes. you know, consultant, the best practice lead, the best entrepreneur, yeah. like whatever I was doing. And, you know, it, it was 100% in everything, which is impossible it, it makes me so frustrating when frustrated when i hear people still say you've got to give it 110 percent you don't have 110 percent to give on a really good day you might have 80 because yes. there's just 20 percent that you just don't have access to like it's just exactly you can't. so making choices and those choices are going to change depending on the day and the month and the year and, and whatever's going on in your life but making those choices, I, I just, yeah. I, you know, there's not many people who, even when I say it to clients and stuff like that, where they really get the impact when I say, when, when we say, you know, just make a decision. It doesn't matter where you yeah. start, just start. Yes. You can always yes. adjust. But the hardest yeah. thing is starting. The hardest thing yes. is stopping. It's making those decisions. So yeah. love, love that advice. It's amazing. Um, so uh, as I, as I dropped about, hopefully it was public knowledge, uh, you are moving to Paris in a few months. Um, I, I am. Yes. And, and so are, are you and your, and your business partner or the, in, in Vermouth, are you out and about, are you speaking? Um, where can our, our, our guests or our, sorry, our guests, our audience find you? 
Yeah, so we are a, a purely e-commerce business right now. Uh, we do a few pop-ups in our local Pacific Northwest area, but you can find us online at vermouth.co. So vermouth, like the spirit, um, .co. And that's what we were drinking when we came up with the idea. So uh, <laughs> um, we went through a full professional naming exercise with hundreds and hundreds of choices and then realized that, no, that was the one that spoke to us. So vermouth.co, no M on the end. And then on social, we're on Facebook and Instagram, uh, vermouth underscore beauty. And uh, we're also on LinkedIn. Fabulous. Um, that's amazing. I would encourage everyone listening um, anyone who wears make or wears lipstick or doesn't, this may get you to wear lipstick. Uh, please check it out. The colors are are gorgeous. The packaging is so thoughtful and elegant. Um, it's just it's fantastic. Thank you. And actually, a lot of our women come and say, "I'm wearing lipstick again because of the mood." So we're actually we're we're winning women back to lipstick who'd forgotten how much they'd loved it. Fantastic. <laughs> Jill, thank you so much for today's conversation. You've had such an interesting journey to start off where you did and, you know, taking languages and now you're running this amazing cosmetic um, company that is in tune with the environment and, and a generation that often gets pushed to the side. So um, thank you for the impact uh, and that you are making and continue to make. And to my audience, thank you for listening to Uncharted Journeys with me, your host, Kathy McKnight. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jill and hearing about how you take an attitude of yes, I can and equal measures of commitment to the idea, you can make anything a reality. If you're keen to hear more amazing stories from amazing women, you can head over to unchartedjourneys.net and listen to some of the other episodes. You can also sign up for our email list as well as check out the links and the resources in the show notes. And again, if anybody out there wears lipstick, please go check out vermouth.co. The colors are fantastic. Um, thanks again for listening. See you next time. And until then, enjoy the journey. Sign is vital.